This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. It's nice to see you guys today. If you're still taking communion, ignore my voice. I'll try to be soothing and melodic while you engage. Uh, If you have a tendency to want to laugh throughout this morning, feel free, by the way. I'm just going to give you that freedom. This is a uh, (laughs) uh, a little fun, a little awkward, a little crazy, a little exciting. Uh, As we were worshiping this morning, uh, I looked around and I saw new friends hugging each other, saying hello, uh, sharing smiles, engaging it. And it, it made me smile. Because I don't worship in a bubble. I don't worship by myself. We worship together. We come here to experience life together, to experience God together. Uh, When you walked in, you got a a program, and in that there's a little card that says start here. Uh, If you're new to new life, uh, that would be a good place for you to start. It tells you a little bit about who we are, what you can expect. Uh, It's also our communication card. One of my, uh, my favorite things that I get to do throughout the week is connect with people who have come for the first time and the second time. Uh, just to thank them for being here, to get them plugged into the community, because I know that as we engage in community, as we begin to form these friendships, as we begin to uh, ask questions about God together, God will reveal himself. God will speak to us. God will meet us. And so uh, if you're here today, uh, I'll tell you what to do with those a little bit later, but for now you can just start filling them out uh, and hold on to it. Uh, I also want you to know that there's a place on there for prayer requests. So if Uh, God is stirring something in you, and you would like prayer. You can mark that on that card. I believe that there are some people in here today who who came because a friend invited you, and you don't really even know what to expect, but you're going to experience God today in a very powerful way, in a very real way. If you experience God in this moment, and God uh, is stirring something in you, uh, there's a place where you can mark, I want information about becoming a Christian. I want to know what it means to be a follower of this God that I'm hearing about, and you and I can talk. Uh, Just looking out here right now, I've I've met with a number of you, and we've, we've walked that journey together, and it's so fun and so exciting. So uh, whatever God has in store for you, I invite you to be open to it. We're in a series called Risk It, and this whole series is really about uh, if God really is the, the creator of life, the one who, who started this whole big thing off, the one who holds it all together, uh, how would he call us to, to walk the journey of life. You see, our, this is, our society, the world kind of tells us to go one direction, but we see that the way the world kind of goes leads to certain ends, and we don't necessarily want those ends to be the ends for us and for our family and our friends. And, and so we have to ask, what would God be calling me to do? Uh, where would God be calling me to go? Last week, uh, we heard Jesus' invitation, come to me if you're tired, come to me if you're burdened, and you will find rest. Learn from me. Take my teaching upon you experience all that I have for you. Learn how to love people. And in that, you will find refreshment at the deepest part of who you are. We talked about priorities last week, and we had to start with priorities because if we don't change uh, the way that we do certain things, the way we set our priorities, then the things we're talking about today really will just kind of skim off the top. Uh, And and I got to tell you, uh, the things we're talking about today have been transforming my life for the last few weeks. Do you remember those old hair club for men commercials where the president would be talking and he had this thick, full head of hair? You were like, wow, that guy is, he's sharp. He looks good, right? He's nice. And then at the end, he'd say, I'm not just the president, I'm a client, right? And he'd show this really funny, bald guy, right? And that would be him pre-hair club for men. Well, I want to tell you, I'm not just uh, the pastor, I'm a client of the things we're talking about today, right? 
my life has been transformed over the last two weeks by the practice that, uh, that I'm going to share with you. God has been meeting me. God has been meeting my wife and, and our daughter and our family in really intimate ways. It has been powerful. Uh, I've experienced life more than I ever thought uh, that I could through this simple practice that we're going to talk about today, but it, it starts with setting our priorities around the things of God. So let's pray, uh, and let's invite God to speak to us, and then we'll jump in. Lord, we are travelers on this journey together. None of us has it all figured out. We're walking this path, trying to understand what it means that you created us, that you know us, and that you love us more than we could ever imagine, that your love is deeper and more transforming than any love we've ever experienced, and that you're calling us to yourself. So God, as uh, you speak today, uh, would you stir something deep within us, wherever we are on the spectrum, wherever we are in this journey of life, would you be meeting us there and inviting us to the next step? God, would you speak through me? Would you calm my heart, prepare me to share the words that you've been uh, laying on me? Uh, I'm excited, God, for what you could do through this morning. So God, would you do all that you have planned for us? Amen. My favorite book in the Bible is the book of Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible, and so I start there a lot of the time with you guys because I just love it. Uh, my first couple chapters in, uh, the first couple chapters in Genesis are my favorite chapters in the Bible because it really talks about the whole spectrum of the human condition. God creating this whole big thing. It's this epic poem, Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, uh, is this great story of how everything came into being. Uh, It it has these stanzas at the end of it. There was evening and there was morning on the first day, and there was evening and there was morning on the second day, and it goes through these seven days of God creating everything, and the end of each one says there was evening and there was morning. It talks about a God who started with nothing, and from nothing spoke the heavens and the earth into being. And he created light, and he separated light from darkness. He said, wow, this is good. And there was evening, and there was morning on day one. And and then on day two, he separated the waters uh, from up in the heaven, from the waters on the earth, and he saw that was good. And there was evening and morning day two, and it's this great poem. And the author wrote it like that so that the people could remember it. It has this cadence to it, evening and morning day one, evening and morning day two. And, And you're kind of drawn into this story. And we get all the way to day six. And day six is a big day because day six is the day that God created humanity. God created people. And he looked at us and said, not that we were good, but that we were very good. He adds a little extra, a little punch. He created you and me, and he saw there's something different about them. They're different than the rest of my creation. My creation is good, but this is kind of the apex. People are very good. And then in Genesis chapter 2, that's where we're going to pick up this morning Uh, we get into the seventh day. The Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it, because in it he rested from all the work which God had created and made. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. That day, the seventh day, this day of rest, the day that God had done all these things, he's working and going and moving and creating, and it's this powerful expression of love and creativity, and and like light is bursting onto the scene, and vegetation, and and things are crawling out of the water, and we've got this whole big picture, and then we get to day seven, and the Bible says 
God rested. And we want to get into that a little bit. What was happening there? Uh, See, the the Jewish people, the people who read this, the people who knew this, who lived with God, who lived this scripture out, they said there's something unique happening in this day. They called uh, what we get from this day the Sabbath. Uh, The word Sabbath literally means to rest, to set apart, to set aside. And, And so the people said that God was creating all these things, then all of a sudden God stopped creating And at the core of Sabbath, there's an idea of celebration. So it's not just that God stopped because God was tired, because God doesn't get tired. God was creating and creating and creating, and then God rested and celebrated his creation. I want to reimagine the idea of celebrating and resting with God today. Like I said, Maria and I just started practicing Sabbath, and I'm going to get a little bit into that. We're going to talk about kind of the Bible background behind Sabbath and then how that experience has played out in my life over the last couple of weeks. And it's been amazing. It has been literally transforming my life. Uh, And so I want to get into it. There are three things we need to know about Sabbath from Genesis chapter 2. One is God blessed the Sabbath day. God's making all these other days, days 1 through 6, and he says they're good right? And there's evening and there's morning. We have this whole poem. He sees it. It's good. But then on the seventh day, something unique happens. God actually blesses a day. Have you ever thought about that? There's a day that God actually wants to bless and set aside as a blessing to you. There's a day every week that God actually has a special blessing for you if you would engage with him in that day. The creator of the universe wants to bless you. He wants to set time aside. Now, God wants to bless you every day, but on the Sabbath day, there's something unique happening. There's a special blessing that God has for you. Verse 3 says, God blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it, because in it, he rested from all the work which he had done. So he blesses it, and then he sanctifies it. And that word sanctified uh, literally means just set apart, different, holy, unlike any other day. If you're married, I want you to think back to your wedding day. If you're not married, think back to the first day that guy that you uh, had a crush on said hi to you or asked you on a date, or uh, that girl that you like actually noticed that you were alive, right? Let's think back to that day. My wedding day was amazing. My, uh, my groomsmen all spent the night at my parents' house, some sleeping in their trailer and some sleeping on the floor and all over the place, and I woke up uh, before any of the other guys— and I had some time with the Lord, and I prayed because I was excited, and I was terrified all at once. Uh, and then the guys got up. I kind of went, and I, I threw them out of bed, and, and, and we got together. We had breakfast, and we talked, and we laughed, and, and then we went to the church, and Maria walked down the aisle, and, and I just—I lost it. I mean, she was so beautiful, right? Do you remember your wedding day? Your bride being the most beautiful creature you'd ever seen? I mean, this just amazing, amazing woman coming towards you. We shared our vows together, and then we had this great party. Uh, this was really, really fun. So uh, Maria is Lebanese, and so her family, the way we set it up was there was kind of a dance floor in the middle, and her family on one side and my family on the other, uh, and it was kind of like my big fat Greek wedding. Um, I am not Lebanese. Uh, I'm Irish and Scottish and German and a bunch of other really cool things, but I'm not Lebanese. And we decided to do a traditional Lebanese wedding dance when we came in. 
And so the bride and the groom come in together, and the, and, and the groom comes in, and he gets down on one knee, and he begins to clap for his bride in a very specific way. And she comes, and she dances around him. And all the guests are supposed to get up and start dancing and yelling and, and waving napkins around. And so we come in, and the music starts, and we start doing that. And her family jumps to their feet, and they're waving their napkins around, and they're yelling. And my family's just sitting there like, uh, uh, <laughs> where's the beer? <laughs> like, this is, I don't know what to do. Uh, but then my family gets up, and they start dancing, and then the rest of my family gets up, and it's this big celebration. And, uh, and we were at a community center, uh, which was a gorgeous Victorian home that they decided to earthquake retrofit uh, about a month before we decided to get married. So when we reserved the place, it was gorgeous. When we actually had the reception, it had scaffolding all over the front. So very fun, very exciting. Uh, but we danced, and, and we laughed. And then my neighbor said, you can't drive to your, your wedding night uh, in your mom's Passat. That's just not cool. So he gave us his convertible Porsche, and he said, take my Porsche and drive to the Ritz that my grandparents had gotten us the night at the Ritz in Pasadena and, and celebrate in style. And so there we are, cruising in someone else's Porsche to the Ritz <laughs> that someone else had paid for. Uh, now, as we look back on that night, what if I said to Maria, uh, she says, honey, how, you know, let's think back about our wedding. It was so wonderful. It was great. And I said, yeah, it was okay. It's kind of average. You know, it was, it was kind of just another Saturday. You know, yeah. we partied. It was fun. Uh, she'd be heartbroken. I'd be in trouble, right? <laughs> no, it's not just like any other day. Your wedding day is a sanctified day. It's a day that's set apart from any other day. That's why you celebrate it once a year. That's why if you forget to celebrate it, you get in trouble, right? It's a set apart day. And that's what God is saying here in Genesis chapter 2, that the Sabbath day is set apart unlike any other day. It's sanctified to celebrate, to remember, to experience God's blessing, to experience all that he has for us. Uh, Don't look at your spouse and say, yeah, it was okay. Our wedding day was all right. No, your wedding day was amazing. It was special. It is sanctified, set apart from any other day. God wants the Sabbath to be this incredibly refreshing experience for you, where you find rest, where you experience his blessing, where you experience uh, joy and love and life like you never have before. That's the idea behind the Sabbath day. That's the idea behind it being sanctified and, and set apart. So God blesses the Sabbath day, he sanctifies the Sabbath day, and he created the Sabbath day. When God created people, it was kind of the apex of his creative love, passion, ability. And we like to think that was the end of the creation story, but actually on the seventh day, God created one more thing. God created rest. That word rest, literally in the original language, has a full meaning to it. It's not just rest like we talked about last week. It's not just sleeping or taking a nap. The idea of rest in the original language um, was a combination of tranquility and peace and happiness and joy and love all rolled into one. The same word that they use for rest here is the word that they use uh, for heaven, for experiencing heaven. So when God created this day to rest, it's like this experience of heaven. God's doing all of these things on days one through six, and then on day seven, he has this experience of heaven in this day of rest. Embracing Sabbath, engaging with it. We're going to talk about how to embrace Sabbath a little bit later, but embracing Sabbath is like an experience of heaven on earth. It's not supposed to be boring. It's not supposed to be dull or lame. 
It's supposed to be this experience like nothing else, an experience of heaven here on earth. And the Jewish people picked up on this idea. It became a really big deal for them. Uh, So much so, remember we talked last week that there are like 630 laws in the Old Testament. There are 10 commandments, kind of the big 10, God's top 10 list in the book of Exodus. They're the 10 laws that you really need to follow. Uh, If you don't follow those, you get in a lot of trouble. The Sabbath was so important that it was actually the fourth of the 10 commandments. Exodus chapter 20 says this, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughters, your male or your female servants, or your cattle, or the sojourners who stay in your land. So no one can work. Not even your cows get to work on the Sabbath day, which which is good because I don't like my cows working on the Sabbath day. I like them to work for only six days and take a day off. So I'm glad God put that in there for me. That's really helpful for me. Um, But no one's working. Your slaves and your servants, no one's working. And this was unheard of in the ancient world. You would always work your slaves, always work your servants. You didn't give them a day off. And so this is like a countercultural idea. God is saying, no, everyone rests. Everyone rests. Even your animals need to rest on this day. Verse 11, for in six days God made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that was in them. It's this picture back to Genesis. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Remember, this whole series is talking about going against the cultural norm, going against the flow, risking it, standing out from the crowd and saying, I'm going to follow the way that God wants me to follow because in that is true life. In that is the fullest experience of humanity, not in what society says. And I I can promise you that if you decide to try out this practice of Sabbath, you will be going against the rest of the world because the world says go and go and go and never stop, right? Always do more. Do as much as you can. And when you feel like you can't do any more, there's always uh, midnight. So keep working then and go and go and go some more. Have some coffee in the morning. Get some caffeine. You'll be fine. But God says, no, you need to rest on the Sabbath day. God created rest. When we rest, we're actually living the way that God created us to live. So that's some of the background behind Sabbath. We need to know kind of our foundation, where we're starting. It starts way back in Genesis. The first uh, book of the Bible lays out this foundation for rest. Uh, The Ten Commandments speak into this issue of rest. And then the rest of the Bible really talks about it, about the Sabbath day. Now, the rest of the Bible, though, it kind of gives you some guidelines on what not to do on the Sabbath day. It says, like, don't, um, don't work on the Sabbath day, right? But it doesn't spell out exactly what you should do, what the Sabbath day looks like in the 21st century, what it means for us, to experience Sabbath. Uh, and because it doesn't give us a whole lot of that, uh, we actually need to um, look at what the church historically has done with Sabbath. We need to look at what the kind of the church fathers, Jewish leaders and Christian leaders throughout the centuries have given us guidelines on how to celebrate Sabbath, what we can do, what we should do, some guiding principles behind it. In uh, Mark two twenty seven, Jesus says, the Sabbath is made for man and man is not made for the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And when he says that, what he's saying is uh, Sabbath is not something that's supposed to bind you down, to lock you up. You are not a gift made for this day of rest. This day of rest is a gift that is made for you. Now, when Jesus said that, he's also saying that you don't have to do Sabbath. I want you to hear that. We are not forced to do the Sabbath day. It's a gift that God wants to give you. It's a blessing that God wants to give you. The question is, do you want to accept that gift? Do you want to accept that blessing. 
here are five distinctives for the Sabbath, things that uh, really speak to um, kind of the heart of God for Sabbath, things that Jewish teachers, they're called the rabbis, taught about Sabbath, and things that uh, Christian teachers have taught about Sabbath, and ways people have lived it out. Uh, And they are uh, God, family, fun, service, and feasting, and we'll break those out in a minute. But the first distinctive is celebrating God. On the Sabbath day, God invites us to focus on the gifts he's given us. The Sabbath day is not a day for complaining. Uh, the Sabbath is not a day for looking at the things that you don't have. Uh, the Sabbath day is not uh, a day for um, asking God for a bunch of stuff that you need. That's not the, the heart of the Sabbath day. The heart of the Sabbath day is to celebrate what you do have, celebrate what God has given you. Uh, the Sabbath day is a day that we spend time reading the Bible, engaging with our kids about the things of God and talking to them about God, who God is, and then celebrating God, praising God for the things he's doing. The Sabbath day is a day that we would like, uh, if you're a a beach person, you go to the beach and you experience God in creation, or you go for a hike and you experience God there. Uh, The Sabbath day is a day to celebrate and experience God. Imagine taking time every week to just focus on God's blessings, where that's all you did for the day. I just want to focus on the blessings of God in my life. That's my goal for the day. I don't have any other agenda besides just to focus on the blessings of God in my life. It would be a powerful time. So we celebrate God. The second distinctive that the early church fathers taught, that the rabbis taught, was we celebrate family on the Sabbath day. Here's how this kind of plays out. So uh, the rabbis, the teachers would, would say that you call your whole family into a room on the Sabbath day. And the husband would start off this process of celebrating family uh, by looking at his wife and saying to her uh, all the things he loves about her and appreciates about her. The ways that she has um, blessed him and worked in his life. Uh, by the way, I want to say one thing. 90% of this stuff can be translated over to singles. So if you're not married, uh, I wrote this in the context of a family in your notes, but you can do this with your roommates. You call your roommates together and you begin to bless them and care for them and talk to them. Uh, there's 10% that actually doesn't translate over that well, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, but 90% of it really does translate really well. And so a couple weeks ago, two Fridays ago to be exact, I decided to try this practice with Maria. So I called her in and I, I looked at her and I said, Maria, you are so beautiful. I love you more than anyone in the world. You mean more to me than, than anything. I'm better because of you, because of your partnership in life. And I started to call out her gifts, the things that I see her doing well, and the way I see God moving in her life. And then she got started to tear up, right, because I was just loving her. And I was holding her hand because um, she really likes being touched, and so I was, I was like holding her hand in this process. Uh, and then she turned back to me and said, Kevin, I really appreciate you. And then she said all the things that she appreciates about me, and I got really touched in that. Uh, and then what the tradition says is that you would then call your kids in. And you'll begin to tell your kids all the things you love about them and appreciate about them, the ways that they have been um, a blessing in your life. Now, I want to think about this with you for a minute. Imagine once a week refocusing on what you really appreciate about your spouse, right? Once a week reminding yourself how much you love them, how much they mean to you, that they aren't just a nag, that they aren't just a roommate, but they are someone that God has given you as a gift. Imagine what that would do to marriages in our country. Maybe if every week, if we stopped to speak blessing to our wife, our marriages wouldn't be ending in divorce at the rate that they are. So, so it was a powerful time for us because sometimes I can forget 
what a blessing my wife is to me. But on the Sabbath day, you stop and you tell her everything she means to you. And then you turn to your kids. Imagine your kids seeing mom and dad speaking lovingly to each other all the time. Right? To take this day where you just have a half hour and you just hear dad loving mom and you hear mom loving dad and you can tell there's something kind of like, ooh, kind of weird or gross, but you kind of like it anyway because you know that mom and dad are together in this. And then imagine telling your kids everything you appreciate about them. They don't feel like a burden to you. They feel like a blessing to you. They feel like a gift to you. Think what that would do to your kids to experience that kind of love every week. Uh, the Jewish teachers also said, though, by the way, that once the kids go to bed, this time of loving your spouse continues. And this is the 10% that doesn't translate to singles. Uh, it continues with intimacy, sexual intimacy, together with your spouse. Uh, they went so far as to say that it's a sin to not be intimate with your spouse on the Sabbath. That's what the, the rabbis taught, the Jewish teachers taught. Imagine that, by the way, right? It's not such a bad deal. Uh, we're beginning to like this Sabbath a little bit, Right? I'm not going to tell a personal story about that point. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. But they did. They said, you go and you are intimate. So after this day of loving your spouse and loving your kids and speaking kindly to them and looking for ways to bless your spouse and bless your kids, then you continue that intimacy with with this deep moment. Uh, The Bible says in the book of Genesis, God created man and woman and he brought them together and the two became one flesh. And so actually this act of intimacy with your spouse is a blessing to God because you're doing what God created you to do in the marriage covenant. And so you're actually blessing God on the Sabbath because you are intimate with your spouse. Imagine how that would draw you together. The third distinctive is fun. You celebrate fun on the Sabbath. Sabbath should not be boring for your kids. So this is important. If you have kids, figure out something that they just love doing more than anything else and do it with them on the Sabbath day. Uh, For our daughter Maddie, she loves to walk our little dog Chloe. Maddie's 18 months old and Chloe's just a little seven-pound chihuahua and Maddie just loves to hold Chloe's leash and walk her. And so when I tell her, hey, do you want to go for a walk with Chloe? She begins to kind of squeal like little kids do. And and she jumps up and down and she runs over and gets Chloe's leash and she hits Chloe with it because she's... (laughs) She's trying to attach it to Chloe's collar, which isn't on yet. So, she's, so we stopped that because Sabbath is about letting your animals rest too. But we did. We took, a big, we took a walk together. Maria loves holding hands, and so we held hands as we walked, and I held, Chloe's, or held Maddie's hand. Maddie held Chloe's leash, and I held Maria's hand, and we walked to the park together. And we played, and we talked, and we laughed. Imagine a life where your kids can't wait to spend time with God because it's going to be so fun. Imagine a life where your kids look forward every day to every day of the week to this family time once a week where they just get to share in this amazing experience with you. That's what Sabbath is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be boring. It's this time of celebrating fun together with your family, with those who you love, those who you're closest to. And, And in that process, your kids will begin to uh, embrace faith because their faith is not boring. Their faith is not dead. Their faith is fun. Their faith is exciting. God is moving in their lives. God is moving in their parents' lives, and that's drawing them into this relationship. So do something fun with your kids on the Sabbath day. Uh, The fourth distinctive is we serve on the Sabbath. It's interesting in the Bible, there was one exception uh, to not working on the Sabbath. 
Remember that law says no one works on the Sabbath, not even your cows get to work on the Sabbath. There's one exception in the Bible, and those were the people who were working in the church. Uh, They were called the priests. The priests were called to work on the Sabbath day. They were called to serve God on the Sabbath day. They're the only ones who didn't rest on the Sabbath day. They picked a different time to find their rest. Uh, So I'm giving these sermons on boundaries and rest and this kind of thing, and, and I know what could happen right? You're thinking about this. Man, I do. I've got too much stuff in my life. There's too many things going on. I need to cut something. I know what I'm going to cut. I'm going to cut serving in the church, right? Or I'm going to cut serving in the community. So you come to me and say, Kevin, you're right. I need to set boundaries. I got to step out of ministry. No, 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 no. You've missed the point. You need to cut non-essentials. Serving God, serving God's people, that's an essential to experiencing rest. And, And so look for ways as a family on the Sabbath to serve. Do some community service. Teach your kids the importance of loving people in the Petaluma area. Do some service in the church. It will bless you. It will bless God. It will be restful to your soul. Uh, In a couple weeks, Marie and I on our Sabbath are planning on going on a date once Maddie goes to bed, and we're going to go work uh, at the homeless shelter. That's going to be our date for the night, for our Sabbath time. We're excited about it. Uh, It's a time to bless God by serving people, by loving people, by caring for people. And the last one, uh, and this is one of my favorites, you feast on the Sabbath. Oh, I love food. Remember I said I hate cooking, but I love the outcome. Right? I, I do. I enjoy food. We're a turkey family, uh, generally, uh, which is a little bit disheartening for me because I'm a, I'm a beef kind of guy. I love beef. So if we—this is something I learned recently. Uh, you can call something a hamburger— and it can actually be made out of turkey. I didn't know that. Or like out of vegetables. I didn't know that you could make a hamburger out of vegetables. I thought by definition a hamburger was out of beef, right? So we have turkey burgers a lot in my family. I actually have one in the refrigerator to eat later. But two weeks ago on the Sabbath, we had ground sirloin burgers. Yeah. Yeah, it gets better. Caramelized onions on top of the ground sirloin burgers. Oh, and some blue cheese on top of that. Uh, and some grilled broccoli, which Maria really wanted, and we're both, we're feasting together, so we had the broccoli too. Uh, but then french fries, and I love french fries. So uh, it was a feast. And, and we put Maddie to bed, and, and we began to cook together, and the smells just filled the house of these ground sirloin burgers. No turkey burgers on the George Foreman grill tonight. No way. This is the Sabbath, people. And oh, you sizzling in this big, thick, we got special buns, and I could, could put two patties on one bun. It was amazing. And, and I, you know, I, I cut my lip a little bit, just trying to open my mouth wide enough to fit this huge burger in my mouth. We feasted. Oh, it was good. Oh, it was good. Uh, in Middle Eastern culture, and that's the, the culture that the Bible was written to, feasting was a huge part of their life. It was a huge part of their faith. Uh, their calendar was marked by feasts that would remember the things that God had done in their lives. So they would have a feast around the time of Passover, which is where we celebrate Easter, a big feast to remember what God had done. Feasting was this intimate expression of a relationship with God that you share only with the people who are closest to you. And so we did, we feasted, and that's where we spent time celebrating God. We prayed and we thanked God for the day, and our, our prayers were alive and deep and passionate. It wasn't just like a hey, God, thanks for this meal and for this day and for everybody who made it. Amen. It's not a bad prayer, but our prayers on the Sabbath around dinner were passionate, were deep, 
were meaningful. And God began to speak to us and bless us. And, and our food was getting cold, uh, so we cut that and we ate and then we prayed some more, right? Because uh, feasting is huge on the Sabbath. We were getting ready for bed that night. And Maria looked at me and she said, this is the best day that I can remember us having in years. We didn't go on vacation. Uh, we didn't do anything all that different. But you know what? It really was the best day that we had had in years. Our marriage is pretty good. I enjoy most days. But the Sabbath day was special. Why? Because God blesses the Sabbath day. God sets the Sabbath day apart. God created us for Sabbath. And when we began to embrace Sabbath the way that God created it, God began to move powerfully. God began to uh, draw us closer together. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. Yes. Amen. Uh, And God began to move in our lives in a unique way, in a way we'd never experienced before. I've been a pastor for eight years now. I've never experienced God with the depth of intimacy with my family that I did on that Sabbath day together. I'm not just the president. I'm also a client, right? Uh, It was powerful. If you'd asked me two months ago, have I been experiencing Sabbath? I would have said yes. Uh, But what I meant was I take a day off, right? I have a weekend where I don't work. Friends, that's not Sabbath. That's just a day off. Everyone gets a day off. Most of the world gets a day off. We're talking about going against the grain, standing out, following God. Sabbath is not something that you just fall into. You don't accidentally have a Sabbath. You set up a Sabbath. You structure a Sabbath. You focus on blessing God and God's blessing in your life on the Sabbath. I had not actually had a Sabbath until two weeks ago, and it has been wonderful. And I want to invite you, join me in this Sabbath. Uh, Consider setting up a Sabbath with your family. If you're single, consider setting up a Sabbath with your roommates, with your housemates. Consider taking time for the next five weeks, for the rest of this sermon series, once a week to have a Sabbath. Now, I got to be honest with you. If you choose to do this, it's going to change your weekend. It's going to change the things you do, which is why last week we talked about priorities, and this week we're talking about rest. It's going to change your priorities. It's going to move some things around. But I promise you, it is a unique experience of heaven on earth that you will not experience outside of Sabbath. The Bible says that God blesses this day, and he wants to bless you in it. So join me in that. Take the challenge. Spend the next five weeks trying Sabbath. If you have more questions about it, uh, write it down in your card. I'll get back to you. We can talk more about what Sabbath could look like for you, for your family. Uh, If you're here this morning uh, and you've never come into a relationship with God, uh, the first step would be to come. Jesus is very clear. He says, come to me if you're weary. Come to me if you're burdened and find rest for your soul. Uh, The first step is not to practice Sabbath. The first step is to come to him. And so uh, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray two things. I'm going to pray for those of us who have a relationship with God that we would take this challenge to experience God in Sabbath. And then I'm going to pray if you've never come into a relationship with God, uh, that I'm going to give you some space to say yes to him, to invite him to lead you on this journey of life. And I want to tell you, God's great desire is that you would know him and love him and experience life with him. He has a life of passion and of purpose for you, and he wants you to experience it today, experience it now. So would you join me and, and let's pray. Let's ask God to meet us and to guide us and to give us the strength to live this stuff out.
Let's pray. Lord, uh, we do invite you uh, to be the Lord of the Sabbath, uh, to meet us in this place, to uh, give us the strength to walk this out. Lord, I'm thankful that you've actually given us freedom in Sabbath. You don't tell us exactly what we have to do. You give us principles and guidelines. We've heard five of them. There are more. Uh, But you're not so concerned with exactly what, with us following a certain pattern. You're concerned with us experiencing your blessing, experiencing your love, and and loving you and loving those around. So uh, as we come into this next five weeks, would you give us the courage to set our schedules up around Sabbath? Would we come to know you as the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who created rest and who created us to experience rest with you? And in that, would we experience that taste of heaven that you promise when we rest with you on the Sabbath? As we continue to pray, if you're here this morning and you've never come into a relationship with God, uh, God's great desire is that you would come today. There's no better time than now to come and experience him. And so I invite you, uh, if you're here today and God is stirring something, maybe your heart's pounding a little fast right now, uh, maybe your palms are sweating, something is going on. There's something in you that's cueing the fact that something is happening right now. Uh, That's God. God is calling you. God's inviting you to know him and to be known by him and to enter into a relationship with him. And so I'm going to pray and you can just repeat after me the words that I pray and you can invite God to guide you on this journey of life. So if that's you, if God is calling you, would you just pray with me now? You can pray something like, Lord God, I invite you to lead me on this journey. Jesus, I know that you died and raised again that I might come into a relationship with you. And God, I accept your invitation to come. I accept the invitation to follow you. And I ask that you would lead me on this journey, that you would give me rest, peace, and purpose. Thank you, God. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.